You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, November 18th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. You can check out my latest article on the Padres pitching situation from a more broader lens and where I feel they rank in terms of their their need for a starting pitching. Are they top of the tier? Are they the middle tier, bottom tier? Whatever. Go check that out at JustBaseball.com. Also, you can check me out on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Uh, I am currently pointing to it, which means that if you see me pointing to it, that means you're watching the YouTube. You can check it out on YouTube. Uh, the show, Locked on Padres on YouTube. There is a link in the description for all my audio listeners. And of course, at LO underscore Padres for the Twitter account. For the show, I should say. My Twitter account, I already gave you, duh. Uh, thank you, guys, as always, for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today's show is a goodie. I Dare I venture? I'm going to say it. Dare I venture? Today's part four breakdown of Keith Law's top 50 free and it's heading into the 2022 season. Dare I say that the crop of people that we're going to go through today, even more interesting than part three. I know, and that's not an indictment on part three. That's not an indictment on anybody being ranked this low or whatever. It's a really deep free agent class. I think there's so many fun players in here, even if they aren't necessarily going to be difference makers. They're still fun. J.D. Martinez, who we talked about in, in uh, part three, the fact that he's around the mid-30s range, it's just kind of fun. Maybe it's just because there's more name value than real value. That could be the case. Maybe I'm valuing that it's J.D. Martinez versus a guy who's worth 2.8 war, whatever numbers you nerds want to talk about. But bottom line is I think it's a really fun offseason. Um it's definitely going to be very cool. Robbie Ray just won the Cy Young yesterday, by the way. And speaking of which, let me just mention uh, uh, someone who's responded to my tweets a bunch. Brandon Evans 619 on Twitter said, I hope you're still going to be saying, in quotes, Blake Snell has turned into Robbie Ray next year because it will have quite literally the opposite meaning as it did this year and will mean that he's our ace. That's true. For those unfamiliar, I said for a lot of time, speaking of the Padres pitching situation, a while ago I said Blake Snell basically became... Uh, Robbie Ray, just walking a lot of people, giving up home runs. Yes, the strikeout rate was there, but just giving up a whole lot of home runs and runs. Maybe that means, yeah, maybe that means that Robbie, uh, Blake Snell will turn into Robbie Ray. For the record, I would have voted for Robbie Ray too. I know that there was a lot of areas in which Cole was better. However, sue me, stat nerds. I thought that Robbie Ray was just an impressive, it felt like when that team really needed starts against good teams, he delivered and had a lot of moments this year more than Cole did. Cole's, mo- you know what everyone's going to remember from Cole's uh, 2021 season? Uh, that playoff game that he was an absolute disaster. Yeah, he had that one game against Houston, but still, eh, just, just wasn't for me. Uh, and, and Robbie Ray also just totally unexpected. So I like stuff like that. Sue me. But anyway, guys, we've already haven't been talking enough about what the topic of today's episode is. So let's get right into it, starting with number 31. On, uh, what's his face's uh, top? F- hold on, why am I glitching here? On Keith Law's top fifty uh, free agents heading into the twenty twenty two season, number thirty one is our very first relief pitcher, Raziel Iglesias, age thirty two, right handed pitcher. In twenty twenty one, he had a WAR of two point eight, a career WAR of eleven point four. Um, look, he's been very good. Uh, in the bullpen for a while now. 
uh, which is what I will say. There's a consistency to Raziel Iglesias that I think a lot of teams really like. He's got that fastball that can shoot. He was actually, aside from Otani, probably the only other bright spot on that Angels team this year. Yeah, he had a couple games early on where he blew a bunch of saves. He looked a little bit out of sorts, but so is every other relief pitcher, man. That doesn't really say much in a 162-game uh, sort of uh, what's it called? Sample size. Uh, Rizal Iglesias is good. He's a top free agent reliever heading into this market. Um, but most importantly, is he a guy that the Padres should be going after? Um, I wouldn't hate it. Again, there's very few moves that I'm going to hate. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's just rare that I'm going to hate a move uh, that a team makes that revolves around money. Um, at least in my opinion. But what was interesting about Raziel Iglesias today is that he turned down a decent amount of money reportedly. He, he turned down apparently like $18.9 million a year, and he wants four for 50, 60 million is probably around the range that he's probably guessing. But for 32 years old, I mean, I know he's been a beast, but still, that's quite a lot. So he's very pricey. I don't think this is the direction that the Padres should go in. He's a very pricey reliever, and I think that there are more uh, needs that the Padres need to uh, settle with. I am totally fine with going bargain bin hunting and trying to get some other relievers. Hey, we did it with Mark Melanson, and we, to a degree, did it with Keone Kella. So my thing is, let's do that. I think the Padres' bullpen is still okay. I know that they kind of imploded, too, along with the rest of the team in the second half. But I think part of that was, yes, I think they played a little bit above their head. But two, um, I think that you have to take into account that they needed... There was a lot of bullpen games, whether it be short Blake Snell starts against, like, the Rockies, where he gets lit up in three games, or it be, you know, a couple U Darvish starts, and most importantly, a bunch of Ryan Weathers starts, where it was rare that he got past the fourth inning. So that might have placed a little bit on the team, and just, in fact, the whole team collapsed. So it must... It's got... There's got to be some transitional property, whatever you call it, uh, throughout... Um, so yeah, I don't think this is a guy for the Padres to target. I'm curious to see where he goes. Um, I could see a, a, a bullpen-heavy team. Maybe a team like Philly might spend on this guy. Maybe a team like the Yankees. Maybe if they don't feel great about the fact that Rawls Chapman has declined. But otherwise, not the direction I think the Padres are going to be going in, guys. That's enough out of Raziel Iglesias, though. Uh, number 32 on Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season is... Infielder Eduardo Escobar, age 33. That's right, guys. You heard of him. He went and got traded to Milwaukee at the deadline because they needed some offensive boost. And that's kind of what he is. I mean, Eduardo Escobar wasn't this year what he was a couple years ago, which was he was genuinely like the MVP of that Diamondbacks team, or at least one of them, along with Catal Marte. Eduardo Escobar, Catal Marte. You had the Marte party when uh, it was Starling Marte and Catal Marte. But for the most part, I mean, Eduardo Escobar had a decent bounce back this year. In 2021, a 2.6 war, career war of 12.0. It's not the best in the world. Don't get me wrong. This guy is going to be making all the headlines. Lines, but if you just need a power bat who isn't going to be too much of a minus defensively, Eduardo Escobar might be the direction that you're heading in, especially if you're a team that just needs to add a little bit of something. Maybe you want to add some depth. Maybe you want to platoon some guys. Maybe you want to use them certain days and certain other days. But like, yeah, is he going to be back from kind of what he did? I mean, in 2021, guys, 253, 314, that's not the worst on base skills in the world. And for you to hit 26, or I'm sorry, 28 bombs, that's not bad either. Again, he's probably not going to replicate what he did in 2019, which was 269, 325, 11 slash line, with 10 triples, by the way, on top of all that, which is nuts, and 35 bombs, 118 ribbies. I know ribbies aren't necessarily the best stat, but still, uh, he's probably not replicating that. But still, as a low bargain bin option, if you're a team that has decent enough depth already, that needs an infielder, Water Escobar not a bad guy. Again, 
Uh, as Keith Law mentions here, Escobar sure seemed to enjoy getting out of Arizona, hitting better in two months in Milwaukee with the best walk rate of his career and a return to a normal BABIP after he had just a 271 BABIP with the Diamondbacks over parts of three seasons. Um, I think that there might be some upside here, but I'm not saying that it's the upside of that year when he hit 30 bombs and 10 triples and all that. But he is one of those sneaky guys that if, like, the Giants get this guy, I'd be worried. You know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, my God. Now I don't remember exactly what their infield situation is, but I'd be worried because of the fact that the Giants seem to get the best out of their hitters. I'd be very worried about it. What do you want from me? It would, it would scare me for sure. Um, I don't know. I would just be terrified if the Giants uh, got that guy because you know they love turning decent players into great players. That if he goes to the Giants, I would predict like a 270-340 with like 30 bombs type of slash line just because of that. I feel like I'm so confident in that Giants organization, but you know, crazy stuff indeed. Again, these are solid players, guys. I'm not just saying this for you to be interested in my episode. There are a lot of really cool free agents this offseason that maybe not might not always be interesting for the Padres, but for a lot of teams that are looking to retool. A lot of teams who have been in the gutter. I'm talking about Detroit Tigers. I'm talking about you know the Texas Rangers who reportedly might want to spend a little bit of money. There's players out there for you at least put together a semi, at least maybe exciting ball club. At least it'll give you some new faces. There's a lot of stuff out there. And now number 33, guys, uh, we're, we're taking it a little bit slow today with the free agents. Forgive me. But number three, 33 on Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season is the ageless wonder. The one who's been a subject of some conspiracy theories, dare I say. That is Nelson Cruz, DH, age 41 in 2021 with a war of 2.5, career war of 42.4. As Keith Law writes very funny in here, somewhere in Nelson Cruz's home, there's a baseball card hanging on the wall, covered by a curtain, a picture of him looking old and haggard on one side, and on the other side, he's hit 160, 230, 280 in 2021, and was released in late May. Look, here's the thing. It doesn't make any damn sense what Nelson Cruz is doing. It hasn't made sense for a while that a guy who gets gets busted for the steroid stuff, he comes back and he's better than he was for that, right? He's better than he was with the Rangers. He blows up in Baltimore. God, those Baltimore teams were fun. Those teams were very similar to the Yankees where it was just home run or nothing. Home run or walk. Those teams were funny with Mark Trumbo and Nelson Cruz and Chris Davis and Manny Machado, San Diego's own uh, Manny Machado. Really fun stuff uh, with Nelson Cruz. But the way I see this, if the National League gets a DH, this guy, all of a sudden his market increases. Otherwise, not a guy the Pirates should be looking into. I know that there's that report that they tried him out at second base or they were thinking of a ways to fit him into the lineup. Not a bad thing necessarily to do, but in my opinion, um, not a guy that the Padres will be targeting unless a DH gets added, and even then, I don't really see it. Um, but definitely a name to keep an eye on, and it's, again, I, I don't know how he's doing this. I alluded to a conspiracy theory. Some people are saying maybe he li- You know how people... There was a conspiracy theory that Albert Pujols lied about his age and actually signed a 10-year deal when he was 35. Uh, maybe Nelson Cruz lied about his age. And he actually kept... Uh, he was actually, like, 25 and then these past like eight years or whatever, he's actually only in his mid-30s. I don't know. But what I do know, guys, what I do know, something very important. That is that betonline.ag is the number one spot for all of your betting action. That's right, guys. They're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just remember to use their promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball to football to baseball to, you know, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino. 
casino games. Bet Online is here for you. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Again, guys, I just want to reiterate thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now, Let's move on. We got three out of the way. Let's keep moving. We talked a bunch about three players. Uh, you guys know I like to go on tangents and what have you. But number 34, another name player. So far, as far as I'm concerned, a lot of name players so far. Razio Iglesias has become a very consistent player. Nelson Cruz, we just talked about him. And now another big name player. And it's kind of crazy to say that he's all the way down here. Uh, it is Mr. H to the Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, first baseman, age 32. This guy's a weird one. And don't get me wrong, I'd rather have him than our current first baseman, but there are have been some signs of decline. I didn't like that. I think a lot of Yankees fans forgot because he had that initial moment when he got traded to the Yankees' deadline. First of all, just the fact that he was like on the Yankees, I think, just got everybody excited because he was rumored to be going to the Red Sox. But I think people got excited because he hit like three home runs in two games and then hit a really well at the beginning for them. People kind of forgot that he wasn't kind of all that great. Keith Law mentions here, Rizzo comes to free agency after a decade with the Cubs that included his prime seasons, but age has started to catch up with him a little bit, as it does to us all. He says in parentheses, thank you, Keith. He's probably looking at an everyday player ceiling and a payday to match, rather than the star money he would have gotten three or four years ago. He's lost some bat speed, so better velocity is becoming a problem for him, and his walk and strikeout rates are slowly heading in the wrong direction. He's still patient enough and has enough power to be possible uh, regular at first, especially since he continues to show well against left-handed pitchers, but there's more downside potential than upside here. I agree. And I think that there's a. this might be, dare I say, out of everyone I've mentioned, more of a name value than um, real value player. Like, the, the name value kind of outshines his real value. You know what I'm saying? I think that... You know, for fantasy baseball players out there, people who kept drafting Pujols, they would like overdraft him every year when he was with the Angels those first few years when he really was just kind of okay. Uh, but they would overdraft him because it was our Pujols. Anthony Rizzo, I think, is a little bit of the same thing. But I think there's going to be a team that bets on him returning to his old days. Maybe, hey, we just talked about J.D. Martinez last episode. Maybe Anthony Rizzo can go back to being a better uh, walk rate guy, better, you know, kind of less strikeout rate and what have you, and give you some home runs. Maybe he's a 28 home run guy with a 250 batting average, 330 on base. That's not too bad. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's Eduardo Escobar numbers, but again, that's my thing. You might get the same amount of value for less considering his name, considering his stature for a guy like Eduardo Escobar and you know, some other kind of free agents that are available on the market, at least in my opinion. I don't think this is a guy that the Padres are going to go after. Maybe if there's the DH, maybe you could do the platoon thing since he does hit well against lefties. It would be interesting if you move Haas maybe to uh, DH, if they add the DH, and then you move Anthony Rizzo to first base. Maybe you put Cronenworth every now and then there. You kind of mix and match because his defense isn't too bad either, uh, being Rizzo. So maybe that could be interesting, but otherwise, I just feel like he's not going to necessarily deliver the same value. He might have delivered name-wise a few years ago as Keith law kind of mentions here but again that's just my opinion and now the next item on the list uh number 35 on keith law's top 50 for free agents heading into uh 2022 season is another big name it is kenley jansen right-handed pitcher over from the los angeles dodgers age 34 in 2021 he had a war of 2.3 his career war sitting at 18.6 he's excellent i mean he's excellent but i will say i will say um he's 
He's steady with the strikeouts. He still has that ability. I know he's made some people nervous because with the Dodgers, he's famous for having a couple blowups. Don't get me wrong. He can blow up. But what I didn't like is that there was a good portion of the season in which his walk rate was the highest of his career and his home run to fly ball rate was way too unsustainably low. I think that there's a good... And his Babbitt, by the way, was really low. There was a point when his Babbitt was like 210 or something like that. So I'm wondering if maybe, maybe this isn't the guy in theory, that you think you'd be getting. At age 34, maybe the best uh, from Kenley Jansen have subsided. If it isn't, that wouldn't surprise me either. The velocity is still okay um, with his trademark cutter up over 1.5 miles per hour uh, from 2020 and with a higher spin rate, albeit one that declined as the year went on. It was in slider territory back in April. He says in parentheses that is Keith Law reading from. So again, he's got the strikeout stuff, but don't pay premium. Don't expect that this guy is going to save all of your closer uh, concerns. He is a Dodger, so not to do too much uh, Dodger loving, but uh, he's still a very solid player, and I think he should be an interesting one to see where he goes. Um, But in general, my thing is there is a feeling that maybe he got a little bit lucky. He could be one of those guys, by the way, like Craig Kimball was like this, where next season could be bad, and then the year after, he'll be great you know what I'm saying Crimble was terrible for the Cubs at first and everyone thought he was done and then he came back this year when it was awesome except for that weird stint he had with the White Sox but I I don't know that was it was just weird I think it's because he was a setup man but anyway uh moving on now to number 36 because another that is another guy I don't think the Padres will be interested in here is another one that is arguably uh I give the Pablo Sandoval award and that is a award for a guy who might win a whole lot more people over only because of a small sample size and because of the playoffs. That is uh, 30-year-old Jorge Soler, outfielder. In 2021, he had a war of negative 0.4, career war of 3.5. This guy, for the most part, pretty disappointing major league career. I know he's had a couple seasons where he mashed the home runs. He did that in Kansas City. I get it. But here's the thing. As Keith Law writes here, the Solaire we saw for 55 games with Atlanta at the end of 2021 looked an awful lot like the guy who set the, since broken, single season record for home runs as a Royal back in 2019, and I think that's the guy he can be moving forward. He hits the ball extremely hard with peak exit velocities typically in the top 1-2% to of major leaguers, and his average contact level is also high quality. But in most years of his career, he just hasn't made enough contact. Or, in 2018, he's put the ball on the ground too much. So, that's my thing here. I know that there's some Padres fans will probably be like, we love the power potential, and I do too, don't get me wrong. But, it's just... It seemed... He's the type of guy that worries me, where I could see it going either way. This whole first half that he had... You know what I'm saying? With um, Kansas City, where he was terrible this year, was there some unluckiness? Yes. He was hitting the ball hard, hardest of his career, and he was his walk rate wasn't atrocious. Wasn't atrocious. His strikeout rate was still up there, but whose isn't these days? But most importantly, his BABIP was astronomically low. His home run fly ball rate was really high, or was really, like, extraordinarily low. Kind of like the Kenley Jansen of hitters, almost. Like, just getting really unlucky, and he bounced back with the Braves. I'm really wondering who is going to take a shot on this guy. He's only 30 years old, which isn't too bad. It doesn't make me as nervous as if this guy was, like, 35. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think that there's no way that this could get any better. But I don't know. Maybe you can get yourself a 240 batting average guy, uh, maybe like a decent on-base percentage, and a guy who's just going to hit bombs. It can happen. If the Padres look into this, though, however, it's not like he's giving you... um, What's the word? Uh, Anything resembling good defense. As uh, Keith Law mentions here, he has been all kinds of awful, or at least many different kinds of awful, in the outfield, creating negative outs above average, 
outs below average, I suppose, he says, in every year but the shortened 2020 season, so maybe he needs to DH or just play left field in a small park like Houston. And I agree. Unless we get the DH, this is not a trade target for the Padres. I don't want him playing outfield. I've mentioned this ad nauseum at the beginning. The Padres need guys who can at least be okay defensively. I mentioned this with Avicelio Garcia. I even mentioned this with another player that I'm blanking on right now. Give me some average okay defenders, not liabilities. We had that with Pham last year. We've had that mostly with Myers. We have that with the guy at first base. We somewhat had it for for the guy at shortstop, Tatis, although I think that he's going to get better. But still, that's what I want. Solid, solid defense. You saw what happened with the Cardinals this year. Maybe just take the blueprint. The fact that like everyone on their team won a gold glove this year, I think means a little bit of something into why they were able to kind of have that miraculous uh, comeback season that they did this year. But again, that's just my opinion, guys. And now before we move on to the next, uh, the final four that I want to mention for this free agency breakdown, uh, guys, let me just take a quick break for my audio listeners. Boom. And we're back, everybody. Uh, yeah, I forget sometimes to like, I, I don't know. I thought I had an ad read and I didn't. What do you want from me? I'm not perfect sometimes. Although, let me tell you, for all my video listeners, check out my, my sweet hoodie right now. You might like it. It looks pretty good. For all my YouTube listeners and audio listeners, go check it out. I think it's. I think I'm looking all right. I like to wear something different every now and then to change things up. I've I've had like all these black on uh, t-shirts for a while. The Hanes black tees in this case, and I haven't really you know changed it up lately. So I got to make it a little bit different. But anyway, guys, uh, enough of that. Moving on to number 37 of Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season is is. 35-year-old Colin McHugh, right-handed pitcher. He is a reliever. Uh, 2021 war of 1.9, very quietly, and then a career war of 10.9. As Keith Law mentions here, after opting out of the 2020 season, McHugh returned from his worst major league season in 2019 this year to post one of his best performances, working in a varied role for the Rays, where he averaged closer to two innings per appearance, hearsay, just a few years ago. Mostly a slider cutter guy. Um, He's really solid. I think that he's the type of, he's not quite the low end because he is the third relief pitcher that we've mentioned. He's very solid though. I like it when kind of starters go to relievers. That's usually just a a fun sign uh, because I just, I feel happy that guys who didn't make it as a starter are kind of finding their way as relief pitchers. Hey, we have Drew Pomeranz on the Padres, right? But again, I don't necessarily know if this is an area the Padres needs to go into. However, Keith Law says, I'd give McHugh two years and eight million to 10 million to keep doing what he's doing. My thing is this, Call me old school. This is just a little bit of a feeling thing. The Rays get a lot of the best out of a lot of guys. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like Colin McHugh exactly is a dude who's been elite before. You know, Nelson Cruz has been elite before, so you don't have to necessarily use that excuse with him. But with Colin McHugh, I don't know, man. I don't know. He just makes me a little bit nervous coming from Tampa Bay. I don't know if they helped refine his mechanics and all that stuff. Uh, I just think it's a little bit weird. I think he's a decent play uh, if you want to go for a reliever. But then again, if you're at the level of Colin McHugh for what it might cost for him, I think you might as well just try and find some other guys. Like, try and find this year's Mark Melanson. That's just kind of my view on it. Try and find a guy for $4 million or maybe even $5 million, kind of half of what it might cost to get a Colin McHugh. Even if he was good this past year, just makes me a little bit nervous. But again, not a guy that the Padres will be going after. So let's move on, guys. Next on the list, number 38 on the list of Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season is... 
Left-handed pitcher, age 32, Tyler Anderson. 2021 war of 1.6, career war of 8.1. He mentions here, Anderson is a serviceable fourth starter, a lefty with a four-pitch mix, nothing plus, with excellent control, but a tendency to give the long ball, uh, even now that he's no longer pitching in Denver. Um, hmm. Let me see here. Let me see here. Um, this is another guy that, like, if the Pirates just want an innings eater, not bad. I mean, with the Phillies, like, I actually kind of liked, I mean, they didn't acquire him after all. That's what ended up happening. That trade got botched. But, like, I actually don't mind that. If you're kind of just really, really down and you're like, let's go bargain Ben Hunting. You know what I mean? He's 32 years old. He's not too old. If the Pirates want to go in this direction, I would not begrudge them. I've said this a lot of times. I don't necessarily think that the Pirates need to go all in with upgrading the rotation because they already have so many pieces in place. Again, that also, I say the caveat is, if Clevenger, Lamette, Gore, and Paddock, and all these guys are kind of coming along, I'm talking about like the Musgrove, Snell, Darvish thing that I think that taking chances on those guys being good again, or at least returning to being good, in the case of Darvish and Blake Snell, I think I'd rather do that than spend a whole bunch of money on some of these top-line starters, and just take little gambles, take little niblets of Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, I like both of those guys a lot, and maybe Tyler Anderson is a guy... Innings eater, maybe he can come become uh, useful down the stretch, especially with the health concerns that the Padres' uh, starting pitchers seem to always have. So not a bad one, but I don't see any upside. That's my difference between him and Alex Wood, which granted is why Keith Law ranked those guys higher. I just don't see that much upside here, so that does worry me um, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, move on, guys, to number 39 on the top 20, top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 season. It is 34-year-old potential Hall of Famer, question mark? I don't really know. It is a relief pitcher, right-handed pitcher, Craig Kimbrell, 2021 war of 2.5, career war of 21.9. As Keith Law writes here, the Cubs gave Kimbrell a three-year deal partway through the 2019 season, and the first two years were disastrous. 36 innings, 24 runs allowed, including 11 homers and 24 walks for a six ERA, and he was a revenant for the first four months of 2021 and was traded to the other side of Chicago and turned right back into a pumpkin uh, with a 5.09 ERA and a big spike in his home run rate again. Um, This is a really interesting one. Now, I believe that the White Sox just extended him, if I'm not mistaken, so I probably, look, I didn't know that was going to happen. I actually, look, last year we didn't get literally anything in free agency. I think the only thing that happened in free agency last year, what was it, like Anthony Disclefani? Maybe with the Giants. I think that was like the only thing we got. Uh, this year, we're all of a sudden getting stuff, which is really exciting. But anyway, um, and that might have to do with the, the lockout, certainly. But uh, I think Kimbrell, if you're rolling the dice, it's not a bad roll of the dice. But then again, I don't like how much he fell back. Maybe that is the case. That's what I alluded to earlier. That being in the setup role, being taken out of the closer role, maybe that messed with his mental mojo. Maybe, maybe. It's that transitioning to the American League. Maybe there are better hitters in the American League. I don't know. Because on the same time, the division of the White Sox wasn't exactly all that dynamite this year. So it's really concerning that he kind of fell right back. Did he just have an incredible first half? We have seen this before, guys. We have seen relievers, the most volatile position in the game, have really great first halves and just completely fall off afterwards. They've had really good seasons and fall off afterwards. You know, one of my favorites that I always bring up is Alfredo Simone. Uh, back with the Cincinnati Reds all those years ago where he came out of nowhere, was great, 
and then fell off. Now, granted, this is Craig Kimber we're talking about here. As Keith Law mentions, you're rolling the dice, but one year and 10 million, it might work for a contender hoping to catch the good Kimber on a bottle. I couldn't go longer given his track record over the longer term. That is the thing with his track record, with his stature, you can bet on him being better. And the White Sox are certainly doing that. So not much to talk about here. He was a guy I know the Padres wanted to trade for at the deadline. But hey, shouts to the Cubs. A decent return for a guy that might have been just overplaying above his head in the first half. So they sold at the right time, potentially. So shout out to the Cubs. And now lastly, the last name we're going to talk about for today, guys. Number 40 on Keith Law's top 50 free agents heading into the 2022 offseason is... Jonathan Villar, infielder, age 31. He had a 2021 war of 1.8, career war of 13.4. As Keith Law writes here, in six years since Houston traded Villar to Milwaukee, he has played for five different teams, been outrighted by, hold on, been outrighted by Baltimore off of a 4.3 war season, produced one war or more four times, and played at least 100 games at second base, shortstop, and third base. He's not a very good defender with consistently negative outs above average figures at all three spots, but he's typically a league average hitter, and that will play for a non-contender that needs an infielder or a contender looking for a useful bench piece. Agreed. I think the Padres could look into this if you need a bench piece. However, with the amount of infielders they have, they have so many infielders, not to mention that C.J. Abrams, their top prospect, one of the best prospects in baseball, is kind of, you know, an, an on the mend, uh, lurking in the shadows, dare I say. Uh, this is probably not a guy that the Padres are going to go after. Again, as a bench piece, not too bad. He also got a decent amount of speed on the base paths. He had a fun moment with the Mets earlier this year, I think, when he was stealing third or when he was running home. I forgot exactly what it was, but that was a lot of fun. Um, or maybe that was just Javi Baez. With that one walk-off hit. I don't know. Shouts to Javi Baez, though. What a fun player. Um, I think that Jonathan Villar, my biggest experience with Jonathan Villar is that he just had that one insane season where he stole, like, 70 bags. That was awesome, by the way, because I had him in fantasy baseball, um, and he was just, he, he was like a league winner. You know what I mean? Because it's not like no one, uh, no, nobody drafted this guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to pull up his numbers, actually, to be exact. Let's see here. Stolen bases. Yeah, it was back in, Wow. I feel old all of a sudden. Wow, time is flying. That was back in 2016 when he stole 62 bases and actually managed to slug 19 bombs, which isn't too bad. Not too bad for a guy that's basically all speed and no power. And um, basically after that, 40 steals, or no, 23 steals, 35 steals. He had 40 steals with Baltimore, as Keith Law mentioned, that one kind of good season. But this is not a guy for the Padres because on top of the C.J. Abrams thing, they've got the Adam Frazier stuff. They've got the Hassan Kim. Maybe he can still turn into something. I don't want to give up on him yet. And you've got Jerickson Profar who opted into his player contract and all that, which was no surprise or whatever, even if he didn't have a great season. So a little bit of a crowded infield right now for the Padres. So I doubt this is the direction they'll go in. If they're going to go in a direction, assuming we get a DH, they're probably going to just look for another power uh, really solid at bat even if that means like a Jorge Soler type you know what I'm saying they might take a risk on that guy if we get the DH but again with all that collective bargaining agreement stuff and mumbo jumbo who knows if we're getting that guys we cannot bank on that basically throughout this free agency walkthrough I've been assuming that we won't I, or I've actually been mostly assuming that we are uh, let's I'm not gonna lie to you I've been assuming that we are but it is a caveat we don't know for sure that that's coming our way so when it comes to team building we have to see. And again, as I've said so many times, you know why it's going to be fun to have the DH? It makes the deadline, makes free agency, it makes those things more fun. Forget the in-game experience, which is literally objectively better that we don't have, you know, Blake Snell staring at three pitches down the middle. 
uh, like once every day, like it's just once every six days or whatever when he pitches, like that's pretty dumb. Uh, but just in, of the factor of like team building and deadline, like you know how many more teams would have been interested in Nelson Cruz if there was a DH? Would have been a lot better. But anyway, guys, that about does it for part four of this breakdown of the top 50 free agents, according to Keith Law, for the 2022 season. In terms of the future of this podcast tomorrow, I'm finishing it up. We're finishing up the pod unless we get, I don't know if they're announcing the MVP award tomorrow. We will talk about that probably just because, to be frank with you, it's the big leading topic. That's probably one of the last things we'll get uh, from the baseball season for a little bit until we get some of those big free agents that sign. Uh, So we'll be talking about that if we do get the announcements about Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, or our own Fernando Tatis Jr. winning the National League MVP and just kind of breaking that down, giving my thoughts on the American League, Cy Young, all that stuff, if that does happen. But otherwise, by the time you guys are watching this, um, if we don't get those uh, awards announced, we will be doing part five of the breakdown. And then next week, got some fun stuff planned that I won't talk about yet until I confirm it. Maybe a little bit of what we're thankful for in baseball type of stuff. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun with some guest guys. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for the Twitter page for the show, or Lockdown Padres on YouTube to see me in my fresh-looking jacket. You know what I'm saying? Not Padres colors. I'm working on that. But just my fresh jacket. If you want to see all that, guys, feel free to check it out. And until next time, stay safe. And, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.